0: Welcome to the Dwell Church Sermon Archive. Dwell is a family defined by the love of God and committed to giving it away. Here is this week's message. You really only think about your feet when there's something wrong with them. But this week we're talking about the church as the feet. Now, I know it's kind of weird to talk about feet. Like I said, we're not thinking about them all the time. I mean, even in the shower, right, they're just kind of down there. They're puddling in like pools of soap, so they're probably getting clean. You don't even think about them there. You really only think about them when you like stub your toe or something like that. And then you're like hyper aware that you have these gangly, bony things at the bottom of your legs. We even did like this weird foot peel thing. Have you guys seen this? It was the craziest thing and probably TMI, but hey, we're doing this, so let's jump right in. So we're in the very beginning stages of COVID we're stuck inside. We're like, what do we do now? Our feet have all these calluses because feet are gross and that's just what they do. And then we found these cool bags and you put your feet in them. And then like two weeks later, like a snake skin, you peel off your old foot and there is a brand new foot that has grown inside of it. Or at least that's how it felt. I think that's exactly what needs to happen in the life of the church. Now, this idea as the church as feet comes from 1 Corinthians 12, 12, where Paul talks about uh, the church being different parts of the body and being hands and being feet, uh, all being a body following after the call of Jesus. And so this week we're talking about the feet and soon we'll talk about the hands, which is sort of uh, uh, serving the world around us. But the feet, I want you to think of primarily in terms of going with the gospel. Now, this idea of feet for a metaphor for the church has been pretty common throughout the life of the church. You actually see it in uh, the 1500s. Saint Teresa of Avila said this, Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth, but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet. Or perhaps Isaiah actually gets it right, or best, when he wrote, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. And that's exactly what we want to be as a church. We want to be the people who are going with the gospel to bring the good news of salvation to people who desperately needs it. This is one of the core identities of who the church is, that the church never exists just for itself. It never exists just to pat itself on the back. It's never just one religion among many that you can choose from. It's never just a philosophical set of ideas, but actually it is a family, as we've already discussed, who is going constantly who is sharing the good news that they have been given with the world around that so desperately needs it. So uh, we actually see it here in our passage that we've been going through in Acts where it says uh, the result of all of this going is that in verse 47 it says, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, what's interesting is that if you, you know, come from certain backgrounds, you've seen the way that feet is turned into an idol, like the church only exists to, you know, share the gospel. And I don't think that's necessarily true. But swinging the other way around... And the re- by the way, the reason why that's not true is because uh, the church actually exists to follow after Jesus and to help other people do the same. So a lot of times you can get mixed up if you're just following a- or if you're uh, following after Jesus, but you're not sharing the gospel. But then you always get- also get messed up if you're just sharing the gospel but not following after Jesus. But anyway. All of that to be said, I think what is happening more regular today is we're not seeing this people being added to their number day by day, those who are being saved the same way that we saw it in the early church, because we as a church are not being the feet that we need to be. And obviously this was very, very important because Jesus actually makes it some of his last words. We see this in both Matthew and in the beginning of Acts. So Matthew is sort of the end of Jesus' time on earth and Acts sort of in the very beginning captures this small time when Jesus had resurrected or both of these scenes are really from when Jesus had resurrected and these were some of the final words that he gave to the church. Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples.'" of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Similarly, in Acts 1, chapter 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, And a cloud took him out of their sight. It's clear... That Jesus wanted us to go and make disciples, go and be His witnesses. These were His final words to us, and that carries a lot of weight. Like I think sometimes, you know, one day maybe I'm on my deathbed, and Sarah's standing there right next to me. Whatever I say in that moment, she is going to be bound to do. So if I look at her and I say, Sarah, you should find a new husband, marry again, have a good life, then she will have to do that. If I say to her, Sarah, you should listen to the Black Eyed Peas at least once a day for the rest of your life. She is going to have to do that. Whatever I can possibly come up with in that moment carries a ton of weight. And so for the son of God, creator of the entire universe and savior of our souls to look at us as the church and say, here's what I want you to do. Here's my final command. Here's the last thing that I want you to do. And that is to go. But it doesn't always look like that. Already sort of hit on this a little bit, but... I think by and large, and a lot of this is due to our just sort of cultural moment where it seems inappropriate or seems uncomfortable to share the gospel, because of that, the church is not necessarily a going organization these days. And I'm not trying to blame everyone else. I know that I'm guilty of this too. It seems like it's uncomfortable. Uh, People have a lot of reservations about the term evangelism. We don't want to view people as projects. You know, missionaries have done some really great and amazing things and served some amazing people and also been a part of atrocities throughout history. In fact, it's unclear whether you know, massive deaths that you know, happened as a result of uh, people finding this country that we live in and finding inhabitants already there, a lot of that uh, carnage, a lot of that confusion, a lot of that just difficulty came at the feet of missionaries. And so because of all of those reasons, we have so many reservations about it. But I think there's even one more that's more important. And it's one that we should really take to heart. The other reason why I think we're scared of it is because it intimidates us. And it's something uh, that the power controlling this world that the devil does not want us to do. Right. If this is sort of Jesus' marching orders, if this is his last final word to us, if this is what he wants us to do, then it would make sense that everything that is selfish, everything that is sinful within ourselves, everything that is working against Jesus' good plan for this world, all of that would be creating this, you know, force to keep us from actually being defeated. There would be things actually working against us actually going with the gospel. And yet here we see this is Jesus' final command. And if, if we are to be his people, if we are to be the people that he actually died on the cross for, then we ought to be those very same people living as feet in our neighborhood, in our cities, and in our world today. I do think that the mission has not at all changed that that same great commission in Matthew chapter 28 has not changed one bit. And what we really need and what would really empower and impel the church into the future is a movement of people just like you and just like me, who are constantly seeing themselves as feet, as people who are going with the gospel, people who are constantly living on mission to the people that God has put in their circle. But I do also think... That in some ways, that going with the gospel has changed in the way that it looks. The actual root of the gospel never changes. The truth that Jesus died for our sins, for yours and for mine. Uh, The truth that he is building his kingdom and is going to welcome all of those who believe into it one day. That truth does not change one bit. But I think the way that we present it might. So here's two new tools as we finish each of these weeks. Here's two new tools for how we might go with the gospel. The first is that we are to be a people who live with counter-cultural conviction. Counter-cultural conviction. The future of the church is going to be built on the backs of people who are not afraid to stand up for their faith. And I'm not talking like, you know, let's go march on the Capitol and push some sort of like political agenda that's loosely aligned with our faith. I'm not talking about like wearing cheesy Christian t-shirts, but if that's your game, then uh, by all means go go away. Or go ahead, not go away. I'm sorry about that. What I do mean, though, is that in some way, and I think this is actually going to be harder, we have to be a people who are willing to stand up and speak out for our faith. I think it's going to be in that moment when uh, somebody says to you, you're hanging out at a party or something like that, uh, that they don't think, uh, or they'll say something about politics and be like, oh, I don't think all those Christians would like that. And in that moment, you have this opportunity. And it seems small and it seems insignificant, but I think it is crucial to the future of the church because you have this moment where you're like, yeah, those weirdos probably won't. Or you can stand up and say, hey, you know, Christians are not just some sort of voting block. We're actually people who are chasing hard after Jesus, and I'm actually one. Or maybe it's one of those moments when somebody's, you know, talking, and they're like, well, you know, the universe will work it out. And you have the opportunity to just sort of nod along and be like, yeah, I guess that's an innocuous, you know, statement. Or you can actually stand up for the God of the universe, the one who is bigger than just some sort of vague concept of the universe, but actually controls and created the entire universe or when you're standing around at a party and opinions are being offered as to what is right and what is wrong, and you have to say uh, what you believe. You don't have to beat people over the head with your Bible. You don't have to like live into their stereotypes. But I think that a lot of people, and I've seen this to be true, a lot of people that take a journey towards Christ, that are taking these steps towards Jesus and figuring out who He is, a lot of it starts with having a positive Uh, beneficial relationship with a believer of actually meeting someone who loves Jesus and loves them at the same time and tears down a lot of the stereotypes and ideas that people have about Jesus. The second tool that I have for you today is kind of similar, and I'd like to call this tool storytelling the gospel. Storytelling the gospel. We live in a consumer driven society, and nowhere else do we see it more clearly than in our gospel presentations. In fact, even the idea that we call them presentations is consumer kind of language. Almost like we're standing up and we're like, you know, here's a pitch for you. And that never happens in normal conversation, right? When was the last time you're just talking along with somebody and they're like, hey, uh, Speaking of which, have I asked you about your long distance plan? I don't know, that was the pitchiest thing. Do we even have long distance plans anymore? I'm sorry, but that's how I, I remembered it. So, uh, in this case as Christians, it doesn't feel all that natural and sometimes it's appropriate, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't feel all that natural for us to just sort of be hanging out at a party and turn to a person and be like, Tell me friend, what's the state of your immortal soul? or something like that, or you know, they're like, man, we were just talking about Doritos. Why in the world are you bringing all of that up? That's kind of like the awkwardness with which uh, the gospel presentations, at least I, was taught kind of launches into it. And I'm not against those presentations. And I think once you get into the conversation, a lot of those presentations are super helpful. In fact, I use three circles as like a really easy way just to understand and be able to explain to someone concisely the sort of state of the universe. And it's always, always, always better to say nothing, or to say something than nothing. I think a lot of times, you know, I'll get locked in this sort of analysis paralysis and just be like, I need to find the perfect thing to say, or else I can't say anything, and I just sort of let people go on and on and on. But I think, all of that to say, I know it's it's confusing and I'm just sort of bringing up all the sort of issues and why it's hard and everything like that, I think one of the best paths forward and one of the new tools that we have for being the church and going with the gospel is by storytelling the gospel. Now, storytelling has been present in every culture throughout history. Uh, It's been a way in which cultures convey meaning and value. And really up until a few hundred years ago with sort of uh, the enlightenment and even uh, the sort of uh, rise of empirical thinking, up until then really stories were in some ways the primary means of conveying knowledge and information to one another. And I think uh, that we're kind of pushing back to that a little bit. It's why we're in this, you know, golden age of television. It's why uh, so much is focused on content and storytelling right now because we are a people that care a lot about that, and I think that the gospel has a place to stand in all of that. Here's an idea, Uh, and you may think me a simpleton for saying this, and you might be right, and I definitely have tons of places to move on this, but I even think about my own ideas about race in America, and I think about like, you know, I've read little quippy posts on Facebook, I've even like read articles in the Washington Post or something like that, But I think the things that have truly changed my mind, the things that have allowed me to better understand what someone who doesn't look like me would actually experience living in America have been much more story than information. I think about reading The Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. I think about watching the Luke Cage TV show, which I know sounds a little bit silly. And I think about a friend that I had in New Orleans, and she would talk about how uh, she would have to coach her son on proper ways to be able to, you know, respond to authorities or, or what to do if he heard a gunshot. And these are just things that I had never experienced before. No one had to sort of coach me on while I was growing up. And yet, someone that was very similar to me, but just looked differently, had to respond completely differently. And I don't think I could have gotten that from some sort of statistic or some sort of you know post on Facebook. It happened through stories. And I think that's how so many of us learn and how, many, how so many of us change. Stories, not presentation, have the ability to actually work on our hearts. They sort of break in through, you know, all of the noise around us. I think it's why most of the Bible actually exists as story. Maybe that's too much of a leap to say most. But a significant portion of the Bible actually exists as story. There's three ways that we can do this. First, we need to get more comfortable with telling biblical stories. If we are truly people of the book, as we like to say, then these biblical stories ought to permeate everything we are and everything that we think. And we're people we are already constantly referencing things, you know, like something happens and you're like, oh yeah, uh, I read something about that on, you know, NPR or something. Or you're like, oh yeah, uh, that happened on The Office and I remember that. We're constantly doing that, but we feel very uncomfortable to be like, this actually reminds me of a story in Genesis or Isaiah says something similar about that. But I think if we are to be people committed to the truth that is found in the Bible, then we are going to have to be people who are comfortable leaning into that. Sam Chan in uh, Evangelism to a Skeptical World actually says this. He says, when we tell stories from the Bible, the listener is asked to suspend their disbelief about Jesus, miracles, and people rising from the dead. And I think it's in that crucial moment and their guard is down, when they're not trying to, you know, make some sort of cosmological statement about the, the state of the world, but instead they're just responding to a story they're hearing, it's in that moment when they actually can receive the good news of Jesus. Secondly, we need to tell gospel stories. And gospel stories are different from biblical stories because they are stories that bear gospel themes. So when we tell these stories, it paints a picture of the kingdom of God and of the goodness of God and the, the redemption and grace of Jesus. It cuts through all All of the defeater beliefs that people may be carrying and cuts right to the heart, the felt need that we all have to be rescued by the Savior of the universe. Jesus did this all the time. He called them parables. He would take something so simple, so uh, sort of humane, something so just, you know, innate to our human experience, and then he would tell a story about it. And then from that story, It would actually tell a gospel truth and he would like go afterwards and explain them to his disciples so that we might be able to understand. I think we as people ought to be able to do the exact same thing. We have to be able to pick out gospel themes that happen throughout the world and throughout stories that happen to us. Finally, and this is probably the easiest one, we need to be more okay with telling our own story. Because it's one thing that no one can take away from you. No one can challenge. No one can say that is not true because it is your story and it belongs to you. And in that moment when you're sharing about yourself, you have the ability to just sort of go generic, you know, and just sort of, oh, I lived here. I talked to this person. We dated this time, whatever. Or you can actually think back through, and I hope that you see this through your life, you can actually see ways in which God was working through all of that. And the courage, the courageous small step is actually going to be in presenting that and saying, and this is the moment when the creator of the universe intersected with my life. This is the moment when the divine actually that that loves me interceded, stepped in on my behalf and changed my reality through his working. I think if you think back through your life, there are multiple times when you can actually see God's hand, His fingerprints all over your life. And being the feet, going with the gospel, means that we are actually standing as witnesses. We are actually people who are standing up and saying, this has happened. God has changed me. And I believe that in fulfilling that great commission of Jesus and fulfilling His command to us, we have the opportunity to bring that good news to a world that is desperately hungry for it. I mean, what if instead of thinking of your friends as people who believe different things, or people who might ditch you if you say this, or people who, you know, might think differently and you don't want to offend them, whatever that is, what if instead of thinking of them like that, you actually thought, what if these are people who desperately need this love of God that I have received from myself? What if these are people who are desperately in need of a Savior the same way that I was, the same way that I daily am, but they just don't know? That is where we are to stand, church. We are to be the feet. We are to be the people who are going with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus Christ. So go, be the feet. Thanks for listening. We hope it brought you closer to Jesus and more in touch with the world around you. Being a Christian in today's culture can be hard. Fortunately, he gives us the gift of community through his church. So we would love to invite you to join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings or for one of our weekly small groups. All the details you need can be found on our website, dwelldenver.org.